The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before gift? a wedding should I send out How many save games the, are in the first series? Use IMAP to playoffs. check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find you were four Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Jordan Cooney. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Jordan Cooney from Previsible. And today we're going to hear about the relationship between UX and SEO. Joining me is Kyle Eng, who is the Director of SEO and Growth Marketing at Red Ventures, which is a diverse portfolio of businesses and brands that help millions of people make life's most important decisions. Red Ventures has dozens of companies and nimble businesses and teams that focus on raising the bar, giving back, and challenging what's possible. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash AWT. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Yesterday... Kyle and I talked about building an SEO Power UX strategy. Today, we're going to continue our conversation by discussing keeping SEO content fresh. Okay, here's my conversation with Kyle Eng, the Director of SEO and Growth Marketing at Red Ventures. Kyle, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this one. Two power topics. <laughs> Two power topics for sure. Freshness and content, highly relevant today. You know, yesterday we dove into the UX concepts. And, and if you didn't get that episode, 
please go back and listen to it. It is jam-packed with not only great knowledge drops, but more importantly, the complexity in which SEO works in any organization, managing those relationships across engineering, design, content. And I really found that to be a super valuable session and lesson for all of our listeners. Today, we're going into content freshness. And right now, Kyle, you and I are recording this towards the end of this year. Google's been very busy towards the end of this year with a lot of updates and changes. They've given us a little bit of foreshadowing into the future that more change is coming. And I want to start our conversation off just talking very quickly about the relevance of content freshness in a very, you know, volatile and high-paced changing environment that Google has us in right now. I think algorithms are becoming more and more part of our day-to-day, if you will. I think I mentioned this maybe in our last chat too that you know, algorithms happened once or twice a year, they were huge, they were big. Most importantly, they didn't overlap. And now that we're seeing more and more of those, and, and to your point, they're happening more often, I just view that as, as Google adjusting its very black box engine and it's just being public about it. The reason why I say that is how that translates to content freshness, in my opinion, are relatively church and state sort of initiatives. Freshness is gonna be top of mind regardless of algorithms. Now, how you adjust and how you have methodology toward those algorithms can change. A good example being product review algorithm updates require a different sort of methodology in your transactional content. But the principle is still the same. You want to keep your content fresh by page type, by user intent. And if you do this in a very methodical, intentional level, then Google's going to reward you, algorithm or not. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, one of the things I find really fascinating about the pace, not only of what Google is changing, but then also the need for businesses to keep that content relevant, identify new opportunities to either summarize the narrative for readers or their audience. I mean, one of the crazy things we're seeing right now in this volatile period is the more aggressive nature of answer boxes or the way that Google incorporates uh, people also asks and other features within the SERP. You know, these elements are driven by us being incredibly detailed and precise and useful, utilitarian in terms of the the impact of our content. And this requires freshness, right? And kind of segueing that into our next question really is about how do you manage this, right? Like it can't be a one-man show. It takes a team to do this. And, And I'm curious how you guys look at that at Red Ventures and then, you know, how you think about resourcing against the content freshness needs of any business. Yeah, this is the golden question is you have a ton of content in an ideal scenario, you refresh everything as soon as every day. I mean, some companies are doing this multiple times a day for that matter. My one liner is freshness is dependent on staffing and the areas that actually require the most freshness. So let's take the latter first. What's most important about content freshness is you are intentional about the types of content you need to refresh when. And specifically, understanding what does a user think that they need in those individual page types. A fantastic example is a definition type term, something like how to get a mortgage. Those pages don't necessarily need to be fresh every single day because the definition doesn't change. The reason why I layer in the consumer vision is it's not just about what you think the definition is. It's about what the consumer thinks the definition is and when they care about that freshness. So for a case like how to get a mortgage or what is a mortgage, that doesn't change and you can probably lay off the gas pedal, which makes you wanna refresh it, I don't know, twice a year. When it gets interesting 
is when you get into the more transactional and more data-oriented pages, like best colleges or best mortgage rates or best shoes to go running in. For those kinds of pages, those are much more scrutinized from Google. Makes sense. More transactional, higher RPV requires more intentionality because of competitorship. But the interesting thing is that's not good enough because the consumer also wants to know and be guaranteed that this is highly, highly fresh. So for pages like that, you're not only battling against other competitors for who has the freshest timestamp, you're also battling against the high expectations of a consumer to want to know, hey, am I getting the best Black Friday deals in general? Or am I getting the best Black Friday deals for me because I'm Googling it right now and I want to know that this page was updated 10 minutes ago? So for those transactional terms, you start to get into an understanding of what does the competitors dictate? Fastest person wins the race in each landscape, but also what are the high expectations consumers have of each, of each individual landscape? You map that to page type and then you automatically have a, a pretty complex rubric. The second piece, which I mentioned first, is capacity. So let's say you find mathematically that within each of these different page types, you now find yourself having to refresh every single page at least twice a year with your very scrappy but, but well thought out editorial team that's clearly not viable. That's when you start to really challenge what is viable from an editorial team. And this is where you start to think about, well, where is AI helpful? Where can I use AI to help expedite some of this process, not write content, because we clearly know that that within itself doesn't provide high, high quality content. But where can AI assist in this process? It also asks yourself, you know, what type of content needs to be refreshed and what dictates the refresh? Is it a matter of refreshing the data, of the intro, of maybe even just the author itself? So you have to challenge how you are refreshing content, where you are using AI to assist you in that process. You combine that with a very data-driven page type approach, and you now have a, a, a very complex, but hopefully palatable and digestible way that you can prioritize content in the landscape, to your point, that is highly dependent on freshness. I wanna go back to something you touched on right at the beginning. In order to, for this process to be effectively managed, not just the determination of when to refresh, but the selection process, the tools and technology to do it, like AI, the outcomes and the measurement, which you mentioned towards the end there, like all of this takes staff. It takes team members and individuals on a team to really be able to facilitate that work and manage that through a freshness process, whether we call it optimization, whether whatever we want to title this, that doesn't matter. It takes a team. In our prep for this show, you actually mentioned that Red Ventures is hiring some folks, and I'd love for you to share kind of some of those roles that you guys are opening up. And then I'd like to segue that into how those roles help in this content process and journey, and then collectively integrate with the other parts of the business, right? Because this isn't just one individual doing this work, it's, it's a collective team doing this work. So first, share with us a little bit about the roles you guys have open, and then I'd love to kind of segue into how we do that work. What's really exciting is really the vision of our team and really Red Ventures in general is really trying to challenge what are the principles within SEO that are outdated? What are the things that we thought was true that are no longer true? And how can we use data to help challenge those assumptions? I, I find that to be incredibly exciting. And that is the mission of this SEO team. So, you know, one thing that I love about this podcast and what I love talking about with you is we challenge those assumptions. And then the awesome news is we're hiring a team to help to build those challenges and to build that rigor towards the new world of SEO. 
So if that interests you, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I think Jordan's going to send a link too, and is a really exciting opportunity. Now to your second question of how does that build the team? You're exactly right. You can't do this with one person. You can't challenge principles with just one person and a bunch of nerdy tools. You do that with a team. And the way that I like to view a team is how are you challenging each dimension of SEO in a way that's very data first? So using content as an example, a lot of what I talked about in terms of measurement and even in terms of methodology require you to look at data. And the awesome part is, in fact, this is part of the reason why I love SEO, the answer is not clear. Now, to some people, that can be the worst possible outcome. That can be the worst possible answer that I can give you. But for me, that's what separates the good from the OKs, the industry leaders from the averages, is how can you piece together so much data to create such a clear narrative? You have data from SEMrush, you have data from Ahrefs, you also have internal data through Google Search Console. How can you map that together to determine, here's what a consumer wants on an individual page, and how can I use freshness to improve that process? Things internally, a great example of this. If you're speed to rank for a particular page, which you can do this by mapping your freshness by day per rank, if it's worsening, well, then that's your recipe. You can say that after two weeks, your page starts to deteriorate, so that's your content cadence. Externally, you can use Ahrefs to determine, hey, within a given subset of keywords that are the most high-valuable traffic, the winners in this space have an average cadence of XYZ, and they do this via their via their data on their page, but also via their title tag, which mentions the month. It's data like that that you really start to incorporate that gives you a really, really full-fledged picture as to what to do. Now, the one caution I'll give is too much data is a bad thing, and it can oftentimes overwhelm you at to creating a bias to action strategy that allows you to you know, create a roadmap and content plan that actually makes a difference in the, in the SERP. And that's where you really have to balance what are the insights that I need and then how do I get there? So I'd almost start inside out to determine what data do I need as conviction in order to determine the content cadence? How do I get the data? And then how do I analyze it? You do that with a team that is very analytically minded, that is very willing to, to challenge assumptions about hey, this data isn't available to me. How do I get to it? And you do that with patience. And that starts at the leadership level. And one thing that I love about Red Ventures is we have a team that's willing to invest in content and willing to challenge some of the assumptions that winners today are winning in, but maybe five years from now, you know, what got us here won't get us there. Right. Oh, I love that. And I think you're the one that introduced me to that Nora concept, right? No one right answer. And if you kind of start with that mindset here, build in the data and the journey to get to a clearer picture on where to invest in content, it has a material impact on your plans, on how you approach SEO, and then ultimately how you're constantly chasing after the idea of content freshness, right? And I think that content freshness historically for SEOs has been put on this pedestal of like a calendar, which is like, oh, this is maybe a year old or, oh, we've started to lose traffic here. But there's so much more to that question than just what's happened to the page or how old the page is. The, the reality of that question is a derivative of what consumers want. What are users looking for? How are they accessing that information or data? And, and being able to address that has a far bigger impact on your content freshness than just saying a year from now, we're going to update this page. Totally agree. And you know what's interesting about you bringing up Nora too? I could apply that same thought process mentality towards this very topic. Hey, listen, there's no one right answer to the cadence. 
And I find that a lot of SEO teams try to find perfection when they do this. To your point, they try to scientifically measure this is the precise number of days I need to make between I actually refresh. Hey, you can get to that, but start with learning. Start with refreshing a content every six months and see what you get. The value of this is the data that returns to you with the cadence that you provide. The value isn't in perfection at the get-go. So, hey, there's no one right answer to keywords, and there's also no one right answer to content cadence as well. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. No doubt. I mean, it reminds me of a project we did about six or seven months ago now where big, big website, huge ecosystem, hundreds of millions of pages. And we went through and we removed all instances of the mention of COVID, COVID-19 throughout the meta titles and meta descriptions. Right now, they automatically generated many of these placements based on consumer demand within those categories or segments and tried to, to use that during that time period to, to entice people who who were looking for those services. But it's crazy that the impact that that had had a material impact on click through rates. Consumers are no longer triggered by the same way by the mention of COVID or COVID-19 and meta titles and meta descriptions. Thus, it didn't have the same impact. Thus, it was a perfect content freshness update to do. The timing of it, though, if, if I was sitting there during the COVID period, I wouldn't have been able to tell you the timing of that. There was no way. I couldn't have told you in exactly this month is when consumers are no longer going to care about this in the meta title. It would have been impossible to plan. That makes you <laughs> so. that makes you a science professional, right? Yeah. It, it's a fantastic point, and it, it brings up perhaps a, a layer deeper that we haven't talked about, which is seasonality. You determine the competitive cadence. You determine what Google wants and what consumers want. You have to layer that with the natural progression of, of the content, you know, the, the Black Friday example that I gave earlier. Do you think it's as important to refresh the content on, call it November 5th versus June 30th? Of course not. It, it matters when people are searching for it, to your point, the expectations when they search for it. And you map all those things together and you now have a deeper layer as to not only when to refresh it, but what is the substance of content that you're actually refreshing and how can you actually use the refresh as a vehicle to address the seasonality. Yep, 100%. Red Ventures has a collection of really unique brands 
many of them in, in financial categories, right? Like, like bank rate and, you know, creditcards.com and others that are in like travel categories. And these have very seasonal type events that take place, right? You know, if you think of banking and finance, you know, there's quarterly Fed meetings where big financial decisions happen or in the travels category, you have, you know, summer travel season versus right now, like when we're recording holiday travel season, right? And I'm kind of curious though, Kyle, to get your perspective because I hear this a lot in the SEO world. I hear this a lot in the content marketing meetings that I'm a part of, which is like, oh, we need some sort of like, magic indicator that tells us exactly when to write this stuff. Like if we just follow enough people on Twitter, we'll know exactly when to publish this article. Every time I hear that, I just, I mean, I hate to say this, but I I call bullshit. Like it's just, there's no right group of people on Twitter to follow to tell you when to write the holiday travel blog post, right? Now there's some common sense that you can use, practically speaking, in terms of when it'll get crawled, indexed, and possibly ranked. But like knowing the exact pulse of when the consumer is going to be most you know, intrigued by that topic is is difficult. It's hard to measure precisely. How do you think about that for the Red Venture brands? How do you take into consideration the planning? Is there some sort of magic crystal ball that you and your team have that you that you'd be willing to share with everyone? <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic question. And we'll start with if if it was as easy as a as a magic ball, then I think it would defeat the purpose of SEO. Not to say that SEO is a game of complexity. SEO is a game of trying to get the consumer what they want, and that within itself is not black and white. Because to the earlier point, it's it's a lot of these keywords that people are searching don't have one answer. So that makes the thing that we're trying to solve incredibly multidimensional, and that requires patience and data. Now, as far as how we're getting to, to where we are, as you mentioned, we have an incredible portfolio of sites. You know, Bankrate is one that you mentioned. CNET is another, the points guy, bestcolleges.com. These are sites that are incredibly industry specific. And the best way that I can think about how to map seasonality is two approaches. The first is looking at the biggest keywords in your space and mapping that to data that you know to be true. A good platform for that is Google Trends. Very high level, take, guessed a score from one to 100 mapped to a certain time range. How people are searching for your topic, that can become the baseline of what you search for. A good example is you Google Mariah Carey, then she's going to have the highest Google Trends right now versus the past. Google Trends is going to provide you that. The layer deeper, and I'm fascinated at a few companies that do this really well, is they use their SEO to determine and create their own seasonality. I can give you two fantastic examples. The first is not necessarily SEO. The first is just a brand that I love, and it's Spotify. Spotify created what is, I think, the best product and social strategy I've ever seen in the form of Spotify Raft. They do this every year. So I guarantee that if you Google Spotify Raft in Google Trends, you're going to find a trend that is so abundantly clear with their product roadmap that you'll come to find that they created this themselves. So the point being is they created their own destiny. They created their own search interest trend. And I find that to be incredibly inspiring. The other is very specific to SEO, and it's actually an entirely different industry group, and it's U.S. News. Their best colleges report is some of the best data and some of the best showcase of data that I've seen, and they created that certain seasonality within themselves. They were one of the first publishers to ever rank colleges, and they continue to do that to today. And I find that to be incredibly inspiring at, 
using their own content, refreshing that content, but they determine the narrative because they've invested in their brand, they've invested in the quality of their content, and they are the flagship brand. They get to determine the markers of when content is to be refreshed because everyone and every copier and every competitor, like hate to put it this way, but myself included, copy and try to mirror what they're doing with their original strategy, which is to rank the best colleges. So whether it's Spotify, whether it's US News, or, or whether it's just understanding how people are searching in general, there's, there's a few different layers that you can take this to. And I found that the best brands do all three. And it's really fascinating because the core premise of our conversation today is about content freshness, right? And in both of your examples there, these companies have strategically made an investment to refresh these really critical brand pillars to their SEO strategy. And we as SEOs often forget about this, that, but the number one lever we have is ensuring that consumers are finding our brand assets and experiences. And if we can make that happen, then then tides rise for everything else, the non-branded pages that we're going after or, or the categories that pages that we have or what have you. And so that's a, such a valuable lesson as we look at this content freshness journey and we invest more aggressively in how we approach our own brand's efforts across content. Kyle, in terms of wrapping up this episode that we have here, I, I really want to get into a very practical, tactical approach to SEO. And that is, you know, how do you do this? How do you signal to consumers and Google that something new, something fresh is on the page? What is it that you all do or implement to make that happen? The theme of this message, the theme of this episode is it varies by page type. I was going to say it depends, but I'm not going to do that because that's the SEO cop-out. <laughs> and the reason why I say by page type is, hey, you have a marketplace type of experience. The data is going to be the most important thing. You're going to want to know that the price of the rental car or the price of the rate of, of the mortgage is as fresh as possible. So that's going to be lever number one. Whereas if you go to a non-transactional page, the, the timestamp may be important, but perhaps it's less important than the, the key takeaways. The thing that actually you mentioned earlier about what is the, the most important takeaway of a page, really pay attention to the page type, the user intent, and ultimately, what are users trying to understand? If they're under trying to understand the answer to a particular question in a time-sensitive way, well, then that's your answer. You need to, you need to make sure to, to index on date. Now, if the purpose of the page is to just answer a question, how tall is the Eiffel Tower, then the Eiffel Tower is going to continue to be the, the height of which it is. And in which case the date isn't as important. One more layer to this that I think SEOs are far behind on because of the sort of overarching fear that Google provides with its ambiguity to algorithms, challenge the definition of what is different between desktop and mobile. Now I'm coming as an SEO, so I have all people in the preaching to the choir here where you know desktop and mobile experiences can't vastly differ from each other. Timestamps is an incredibly high opportunity to do that with such low stakes, where you can say, where I'm on my phone, where does the timestamp need to be for a time-sensitive critical page? And how does that differ from desktop? I think that's a key question that you should consider, not only by page type, but by device. I think answering that, that is an example of challenging traditional SEO and thinking about consumer first, what needs to take place in order to get to an answer. 100%. That's a great place for us to wrap up this SEO episode on the Voice of Search podcast. Thank you to Kyle Eng from Red Ventures for joining us. In our episode, 
Kyle mentioned a few open roles at Red Ventures. Within our show notes, we will include links to those open roles. If you'd like to get in touch with Kyle, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit their company website, redventures.com. Okay, thanks to Jordan Cooney, the founder of Previsible. If you'd like to get in touch with Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is JT Cooney, that's J-T-K-O-E-N-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E.io. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to voicesofsearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Music.